And uh, we all thank God for that. Romans chapter 12. This will be my seventh message uh, from these verses down through here. As we've been preaching on this thought of being transformed by Christ. I want to try to get down through about verse number 10 tonight, which will be about the midway of the chapter. Uh, maybe just a couple or three more messages, maybe Sunday nights, I don't know. Uh, just trying to be sensitive to the Lord and uh, find out what he wants. Uh, but I don't think I can be done uh, with preaching out of Romans 12 on being transformed until I show you what it means to be transformed. And that's what the entirety of the rest of this chapter is about. Uh, it's about the consequences, the consequences of transformation. It's on the other side. It's on the other side of being transformed. I mean, that's what we, uh, that's what we want, right? It's, it's to be different, to be transformed. And on the other side of transformed, uh, let's see what's over there. Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. Everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether we prophesy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Our ministry, ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, that you'd help us in this evening's meeting. Lord, I pray, God, that everything that be said and everything that be done would be to your honor and glory. God, I pray that you would just direct the meeting tonight, direct our hearts towards you, Lord. Help us, God, to seek after you. Help us, Lord, to understand what the will of God is. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do, for it's in Jesus' lovely name we make our prayer. And through his blood we pray, amen and amen. I want us to think tonight about the consequences of being transformed. If you don't make a difference in your life, have you really been transformed? I mean, transformation ought to make a difference in your life. Um, if I said uh, this coming week, they're going to come and start paving, we're going to transform our parking lot. But then you came next week and the gravel was still there and there wasn't no pavement. You'd say, well, nothing's changed. Now, I could get up here and say, how do you like the new parking lot transformation? You'd say, nothing's changed, preacher. And I'd say, no, it's changed. Now, believe me, we've done a lot out there and we've really made a difference in that parking lot. But you see the proof's in the pudding. And there's a lot of people that say, well, 
God has done something in my heart, and that's great. And you can't see what God does in your heart, but it ought to eventually work its way out in your actions. Transformation must be seen. And that's what Paul is dealing with here, the outward change of an inward transformation. Let me say this to you tonight. I was reading this week the great football coach, Vince Lombardi. Y'all ever heard of Vince Lombardi? They said every year he walked into the locker room, first day of practice as they were starting their uh, training season. He'd walk in, Brother Neal, with a football. He would stand before the Green Bay Packers and he would look at them and he'd say, Gentlemen, this is a football. And then he would start to tell them about the rules of the game. He would tell them how many points a touchdown was worth. He would tell them what the out-of-bounds lines were. Now, these were men that had played high school football and college football, but he would start out by instructing them on the basic, basic, basic things because he knew that if they didn't get the basic things right, that the other things would never fall into place. Now, what I'm going to preach on tonight and show you this evening uh, is the basic things. Paul said immediately on the other side of transformation, uh, there's some things that ought to happen. And they're basic, basic things. These are the foundation of the church. These are the foundation of the church. And so I want to look at those things for just a few minutes uh, this morning, or this evening rather. You know what the Word of God is? Let me deal with this real quick, and then I'm going to deal in here with these particulars. Have you ever thought about this? What is this Bible? Well, somebody said it contains the words of God. It doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. But why did God write a Bible? You ever thought about that? Why did God write a Bible? Somebody would say, well, He wrote a Bible so that we'd know how to be saved. Well, if that was true, all that would be in there was stuff about salvation, but that's not all that's in there. Somebody said, well, he wrote a Bible so that we could have a, 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 a owner's manual for life, so we'd know how to live life. And if that was true, uh, that, that, that would be all that was in there. But that's not all that's in there. Uh, now, while the Bible does tell us how to be saved, it's not the sole purpose of God writing the Bible. And while the Bible does teach us how to live life, again, it's not the sole purpose of God writing the Bible. The reason God wrote a Bible was to reveal himself to humanity. And that by revealing himself, we might see ourselves as we are and have a desire to be like him. It's like this. The Bible has been written because our lives are a picture frame. And inside that picture frame, God is trying to draw a picture of his son. That's all he wants. We discovered we bought a Samsung TV. And it's a big one. A big old Samsung TV, and we discovered it's got this smart TV feature, and it's got its own channels. I don't understand how that works. It's not cable. It's not direct TV, but it's got its own channels. And one of those channels uh, is the Bob Ross channel. And it's about all at my, it's about all that's ever on my, at my house anymore. It's either Andy Griffith or Bob Ross. Y'all ever watch Bob Ross? Bob Ross is an artist. And in 30 minutes, he turns a blank canvas into a beautiful painting. He's got a big old afro, and he puts happy little trees and a happy little barn and just happy little everything. 
And uh, so they watch that. They, they tune in. They watch that. And boy, when he starts, I, I watched him start one the other day, Brother Neil, and he took this yellow paint. He's always got it on this, uh, on this, on this big pile, and he got this yellow paint, and he mixed it with some brown, and, and he mixed it with some green. Looked to me like something that the youngins used to do in their diaper. Amen. <laughs> and he, he mixed all that together. And I thought, what in the world? And then he just, Brother David, he took a big old brush and he just made a big old streak up and down the middle of the painting. And I thought, I don't know what he's going to do with that. And he said this as he's making this big old streak up and down the middle of the painting. He said, there's probably going to be a pathway right here before it's over. And I thought, well, I guess, whatever, you're the doc, doc. And then he goes to painting all around it, putting it, th- putting together and trees and branches and all that. And first thing you know, when it was over, sure enough, there's that pathway right out through the woods. Looks just like you've took a picture of a pathway out through the woods. And I, I'm sitting there scratching my head. Now, Reagan, she can paint after him and make a painting that looks just like his. I, I've never tried it, but I'm quite sure that if I painted after him, it would not look anything like he painted him, man. But you see, he's got an eye for it. He knows what he's trying to turn out of it, and he's heading toward an end. God wrote a Bible because he wants you and I to look like his son. And sometimes it's strange what God does in our life. And I say, why are you doing that? And God's just saying, well, there's going to be a pathway right here eventually. Uh, And I don't understand it. It don't seem to make sense. It seems to be out of place. But God is trying to paint a picture of his son in my life. He wants me to look like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why I wrote a Bible. So that we can understand how to be like Christ. Now, that's what Paul's dealing with right here. He's saying after you've transformed, you ought to daily become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at it. Number one, there is in this what I would call sobriety of thought. Look at verse three. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as he hath dealt to every man The measure of faith. Now, did you remember what I told you that you had to transform if you wanted to transform your mind? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're thinking with a new mind, and here is how Paul lays it out. This is how we are to think. I mean, it's one thing to say, change the way you think, but we've got to understand what it is to change. First, we see Paul's appraisal. Watch it with me now. He says, through the grace of God given unto me. This one thing was a thing that Paul had to get right in his own mind. And that was to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. We just got done studying it in my Sunday school class in Philippians 3. And what it is, is Paul came from that pharisaical background, and what he said was, if anybody's got an occasion of the flesh to boast, I the more, a a Pharisee, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I've got all kinds of reasons to boast in my flesh, but he said, God has helped me through his grace not to think of myself any more highly than I ought to think. And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying, listen, what I'm instructing you to do, uh, this change I'm instructing you to make, uh, God had to make it in me. Uh, He had to do it in me first. Uh, He had to work this work inside of me. It took the grace of God in me uh, to get to this place. 
everybody at some point has thought of himself more highly than they ought to think. A few weeks ago at camp, I was walking back to the fellowship hall. I was, I was from here to fro from the basketball goal. Well, about that far. And one of them little old boys, as they shooting ball, and they shot one, and it rolled out there to my feet. And I picked it up and just chunked it like a football, and when I did, it hit nothing but net. Turned it upside down. All them little boys went, you know. You know what old Brad did? I went, that's right, boys. Walked in the fellowship hall. Some little old boys come in there, and they said, we can't believe that shot. I said, I pull that off all the time. I ain't when I was playing in the NBA, they called me old downtown Boone, son. I couldn't have hit that in a, again in a gazillion years. I could have thrown it a thousand times. Probably wouldn't even hit the backboard. But for that second, buddy, I felt important. A lot of times we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. I don't know about you, but I do. I do. I think about myself more highly than I ought to think. And Paul said that's the number one thing. On the other side of transformation, we've got to be careful how we think about ourselves. We've got to realize that we ain't all that. Amen. I mean, Trey got a maroon suit on, but he still ain't all that. Right? And so we've got to be careful about how it is that we allow ourselves to think about ourselves. And so there's first off, he's, there's his appraisal of himself. Paul says, in this area, I need the grace of God. I've got to watch how I think about me. I, I've got to be careful that I don't get puffed up. And in order to do that, I need God's grace. Then we see Paul's appropriation. He says to every man that is among you. Now, there's some things that are written in the Bible that we could say, that's not for me. But here Paul looks at the church at Rome and he says, here's a message and I want every one of you to listen to it. So this is for every last person. And you know what I believe? I don't believe anybody ever gets old enough where this isn't a problem. I remember there was a preacher telling about riding with an older preacher like in his 80s. And he looked at him and he said, how old do you have to be to where you get to where the flesh don't bother you anymore? And that preacher said, I don't know. (laughs) I've not gotten there yet. You see, this is applicable to every one of us. What I'm about to preach It is that he said, every one of you, every man that is among you, listen up. We've got to be careful that we have sobriety of thought, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. The very first sign of a transformed mind is you look at yourself differently. It's called humbleness of mind. Did you know humbleness? It's something when I first started preaching, I heard preachers preach on it a lot. Having a humble spirit, being humbled in mind. Thinking of others first, considering others first. Those are things that I heard preached on a lot. But it seems like in the independent Baptist movement, we've got so many hot shots these days that only strike on their own box and think all their ideals are great and nobody else has got any sense. It seems like we've lost this idea of a humble mind. But Paul said, don't think of yourself too highly. Don't think of yourself too highly. I was watching a thing last night on baseball. I've been watching it for some weeks now. Look at there, uh, Mr. Ma. That wasn't hardly Mr. Maugi. I'd had to have called it to, you all don't see it, do it's a fly. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> this church is full of flies. And I was watching a thing last night on baseball, and they were talking about Babe Ruth. And you know what the commissioner of baseball told Babe Ruth in the 1920s? He said, if you don't quit playing pickup games in the spring, in the, in the, in the uh, fall of the year, after baseball season's over and through the winter, I'm going to suspend you. You know what Babe Ruth did? He said, I'm too big. I'm the great Babino. Nobody suspends me. And so he played baseball all winter long. You know what he found out when he came back to Major League Baseball? He was suspended. You know what the commissioner said? The commissioner said, there's nobody too big to be suspended from baseball. You know, sometimes I'm afraid we get to thinking we're so big that God can't do without us. We think God's got to have us. If we don't show up, buddy, there ain't going to be no meat. If we don't show up, there ain't going to be no church. If we don't show up, there ain't, gonna, ain't nobody going to get no help. But I'm going to tell you something. God got by before you's alive. He'll get by whether you're here or not. Amen now. He'll get hit by whether or not I'm here. And we had not all to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. So here's what he said. Transform mind. Gives you a proper view of self. And so there is this sobriety of thought. Then he goes on down through here and he talks about a socialization of talents. Here's what he says. He says in the church, uh, there's a lot of members, but there's one body. Ask you something. What's the most important part of your body? If I, you know, let's really think about that. We'd say, well, it's the heart. We've got to have the heart. But what if you didn't have the brain to tell the heart to beat? Oh, well, wait a minute. That's right. It's got to be the brain, right? It's got to be the brain. But then what if the kidneys quit functioning? Then the brain wouldn't have the kind of clean blood that it would need. You say, oh, well, it's the kidneys then. Yeah, but what if the liver quit? You see, when you look at the big picture, and that's what Paul is trying to say, He's saying everybody is important. There's a lot of members. There's a lot of talents. People do every different things. Not everybody can be the preacher. Not everybody can be the deacons. Not everybody can be the Sunday school teacher. And so there's this part and that part and the other part. But what you find out is that when you look at the big picture, all the parts working together keep the body going. I, um, I think I've mentioned to you before, I've got arthritis in this middle big toe on his right foot. It's hurting me right now. It hurts basically all the time. I'm just, I don't, it's not excruciating, but it hurts all the time. And I never had given any thought to my middle toe on this right foot until it went to hurting all the time. And now I think about it a lot. Now, it's a little member. It seems like it shouldn't even matter. How many of you have ever had gout in a toe or in a different place of your body? It may be a little part of the body. You didn't think that. But you let that part get sore and all of a sudden you say, oh boy, that's a big part. I, I didn't realize what a big part that was till that part got sore. And then now all of a sudden that part's a great big part. See, that's the way it is to the body of Christ. Uh, there's no little parts. There's no needless parts. Uh, when you look at the big picture, we see that we all work together and it makes one body. That's the way the church ought to be. I'm talking about fellowship among the brethren. I told you back a few months ago that we were making a push toward fellowship. And I mean that with all my heart. It's why we're going to uh, try and have a dinner after the service Wednesday night. I think it's important. I think for a year we've been apart. 
people have not fellowshiped. We couldn't get together and all those kind of things. And it, and it seems like it's, it's hard to get us back into that mindset. But what I'm going to tell you tonight is the most old-fashioned thing that we can do. You say, boy, I like old-fashioned hacking Baptist preachers. Can I tell you something? I'm not sure Paul acted when he preached.